Welcome to episode one of Dear Teacher, Don't Give Up. I'm your host, Jeffrey E. Frieden, and I am on a mission to connect teachers so that together we can intensify our impact and win in the classroom. In this episode, I want to introduce myself and take you inside the story about the time that I came very close to throwing in the towel. Feeling anxious, beaten down, and exhausted from the pressures of teaching, I wanted to quit. Now, maybe you're thinking, teaching isn't supposed to feel that way. It's supposed to be inspiring and life-changing. But at times, it does feel that way. And for some of us, it feels like this a little too often, maybe far too often. And teaching can be overwhelming for many different reasons. Maybe it's difficulty in connecting with students or the challenges in meeting the demands of some parents. Perhaps it's an overbearing administration or even working in the midst of a toxic faculty environment. And sometimes, like in my case, it's just the work itself. I had no idea how much of a burden it would be and that a 40-hour work week wouldn't be enough to get it all done. Or at least that's what I thought at the time. I kind of changed my mind about that later on. But before I get into that, I have learned that it is more interesting to listen to a conversation than it is to hear someone drone on about his problems. But how can I play both the host and the guest at the same time on my first podcast? To answer that question, I did something a little bit different for the first episode of a podcast. I brought in a guest host. That's right. On my very first episode, I brought in a guest to host. My good friend, Justin Kirkpatrick, answered this bizarre call to play host for a show that had zero episodes. Think about that for a second. If a friend of yours called you and said, hey, I'm starting this podcast, but I need you to be the host. When are you available? What would you think? And here's the best part. I pretty much did exactly what I just presented in that scenario, and Justin didn't question it. He just pulled out his calendar and said, let me see what I have going on. So I'm really grateful for his support and his time. That's enough for an introduction. Let's get into the conversation. So here it is, my talk with, wait, scratch that. Here's Justin's talk with me. I'm joined here with Justin. Justin, thanks for helping me out and coming on here. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I've known Justin for a lot of years now. We uh, met in college, uh, been in the same church community for, what is it, like 15 years now? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and he lives just around the corner from me, and he is willing to jump in. Um, and over those years, we've had many, many conversations about education. More more than, than I like. More than you like? Yeah. Some of them, you know. I kind of, I roped you in. I no, you no, we, we just both uh, struggled together. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so before um, I turn the th everything over to him, I wanted to just ask him um, if you would tell everyone real quickly about your background in education. Yeah. So uh, um, I started teaching at a, uh, and when I started teaching, I started teaching math. And then I went on to teach history, taught math at a private school. Uh, and then I started teaching history to public school, and that's what I got my uh, credential in. And then I got a supplemental credential in science, and I taught science after that. And then I went back to history, and now I'm currently a, a teacher specialist with Pomona Unified School District, uh, working with educational technology. So you've just kind of run the circuit. 
You've done uh, like everything but teach English. You know, I over the summer I actually taught an English remedial really? course. Yeah, so <laughs> and and health and tech over the summer as well. Well, okay, so yeah. Jack of all trades, Justin of all trades. Justin, of, well, actually, my initials are J A K. So yeah, perfect. Jack works. That works. Yeah, it does. So thank you. Um, and then before I I turn this over to you because I'm kind of interviewing you right now, um, is there anything you'd like to say? Add. No, I mean, I just, I think that what we're talking about today is is a big deal. And and you and I have sat in the morning at a couple of different breakfast spots, had good steak and talked about uh, this, the, the process we're going to have to talk about today. I think most teachers really struggle with this and it's a really uh, good idea. What you're doing is going to make a lot of sense. Well, hey, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so now I'm going to turn the reins over to you and you will become the host. I will become the guest. I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a podcast that started off this way. I think this is transformative, Jeff, in more than one way. <laughs> so I appreciate that, I think. Um, Absolutely. But anyways, the, the show is now yours. All right. The, the baton has been passed. Yes. Um, so, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and uh, your co- current role, role. Can't talk tonight in school. <laughs> was, I chose my, my host well. I know, exactly. Um, <laughs> I am a high school English language arts teacher uh, in Southern California, and it's my 14th year. Excellent. So I think I can say I'm an expert now. Um, yeah. Bef- along the way, I've uh, I chaired two different English departments over a span of eight years. And along that way, too, I was also doing 10 years of committee work in the district. Yeah. Uh, lately, I have added like blogging to my repertoire and starting podcasts where I cajole my friends into hosting it for me. So that I'm the cajoled friend. Yes. Uh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, did you do any writing in between that time? I did. I, I wrote a small book um, titled uh, Make Them Process It about using the writer's notebook in class. Good. I just want to make sure I plug my friend's book on this <laughs> podcast. It's fun. Never <laughs> done that before. Before we get into like the, the big challenge that you faced um, that, that almost actually led you to really walk away from education, uh, why don't you give us a little rundown of how things are going now? Yeah, now th- I really am having, I think, the best year of my career um, at, by leaps and bounds. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, too. Uh, I, ha- I feel like I have a firm grip on my subject. Yeah. Um, so I could teach in a lot of different contexts or different uh, courses at the high school level, and I really I grasp it. So um, couldn't have said that 14 years ago. Um, I've also been experimenting with new ways to reach my students about learning, to care less about their grades, care more about what they're learning in my class. That's good. Um, and then also have a real supportive group of teachers around me um, in my department and also supportive administrators, too, at my site that, you know, let me run with some of my ideas. So it's kind of dreamlike in a way. And I but I do want to be upfront about the fact that I am teaching some courses that people do like to teach uh, college bound seniors. They've said, I want to go to college. So they're you know more motivated to show up um, and then honor sophomores, too. That's good. Now, so, so things are going really well right now. Mm-hmm. You seem like you're pretty uh, jazzed about teaching. Was it always this way? Were you always excited or is there a point at which you you really gave serious thought to throwing in the towel? Well, and, yes. Okay. Yeah. What were the biggest problem? What were the problems you were facing? Um, I and to be clear too, I have always loved teaching. Okay. Um, even when it's bad, it's good. 
Um, but there was a, a low point. Well, it, it kind of spiraled. So, and really kind of, for an English language arts teacher, it comes down to one word. And that one word, and if there's any English teachers listening, they probably know this word already, but it's grading. Um, it's a spe- especially essays. Yeah. So for me, like what that looked like when things were, you know, it just required a lot of time. So I was, I would stay late at work. I would take work home. I would get up early and I would kind of like over the years, it would be like staying a few minutes later, uh, getting up just a little earlier. For a few years too, I was even driving in on weekends. I was watching some of my colleagues do that. Like, and I thought that that was a normal thing to do to drive in on the weekends and work on the weekends. Uh, which worked fine, kind well, I shouldn't say it worked fine. I could get away with it when uh, I didn't have kids, but that kind of changed when I had kids. And then I started to notice this too, about like five to six years into teaching English was um, that I would hit this thing called like a shame spiral. That's okay. kind of what I've decided to call it over time, All where right. and it kind of looked like this. Um, so I would get overwhelmed with the work. Okay. I would get stressed because I was overwhelmed. And then that would kind of lead to this anger, not not at any person or anything in particular, just kind of at the situation. Uh, but I was like, it shouldn't be this overwhelming. I'm so stressed out. And I'd be angry about it. And then I just I didn't want to deal with it. So I would distract myself. Right. Um, and that's when like Netflix really hit. So <laughs> the timing was very poor, in my opinion. Yeah. And there's there were some times, too, when it got pretty bad where I would just kind of be lying to those that I cared about, you know, about like, oh, I, I got to get this done. And then I would just be kind of getting distracted. And and then I'd also be hiding from my students, like just hoping that they wouldn't ask me. But hey, where's the work? Where's that essay? Um, they weren't asking, but I was always afraid of that, dreading that. And then really, when when I think about all of that, like the spiral sort of ended with this guilt feeling. Um, and then I would just, okay, I got to get plugged back in and I would just kind of go back into this overwhelmed stress, anger, distracted, you know, just all of that over and over again. And it's because I'm having to plan, instruct, and grade all at the same time. And it was just exhausting. Wow. I didn't know you knew what the first seven years of teaching looked like for me. But I'm glad <laughs> glad I wasn't the only one. It's a tough time. Yeah. So besides the school, because we have school up, you said you talked about home a little bit. Yeah. Were there other complications going on as well? Yeah, so that was just what was happening at school. Um, But then there is more to me than what happens at school. Right. So around the time when it got real bad, I was a dad, new dad, two young kids. Um, I now have four. um, (laughs) As of of December. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 2018. Um, And my family, they were relying on my income. And it was also a down economy. And for me in particular, like especially years five, six, and seven, I got laid off and oh. rehired those three years. Yeah. So, and, and seven years in, I'll come back to that in a second, but um, really like dad, a father of two kids, it just meant that I needed to be home a lot more. Right. Um, and as they're growing too, they're, oh, yeah. they're in, it's increasing in complexity. You know, you have three children. Um, yeah. As they get older, it increases in complexity too. They, there's certain. more needs um, need to be around. Um, you can, as a you know, a dad of one, you can get a who's like one years old. You can get away with a little less interaction, but you got to interact more. 
and I say get away with not, I'm not condoning that. Um, and then also just my poor work habits that I developed over the, the first few years of my career too. And I didn't really see them as that and I didn't see how it affected me. But now that more of my time was needed elsewhere, I couldn't give that same kind of, uh, time to that spiral that I was dealing with. And I also kind of developed this, uh, guilt dance with three partners where it was like teacher guilt, dad guilt, husband guilt. Right. And I kind of just vacillated between those three hmm. along with that shame spiral that I was in too. So, um, and it was seven years in, in this down economy too, where it was like, can I really afford to look for a new job? And, but I was getting to the point where I was starting to think, you know what, even if I have to sell the house and we move into like a two bedroom apartment, this might be something I need to do. It <laughs> so. makes sense. So at your lowest point, so that's your lowest point. Mm -hmm. Um, what happened after that? What I'm saying is when did things really change for you? Yeah, because I'm still here. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> um, I, I made it. Um, at the same district, right? At the, Yeah, the okay. same district that I was in, too. Like, it's really important for me to say this. There was, when it came to, I wasn't dealing with, um, like, an unsupportive administration or, you know, colleagues that were sending me through um, the ringer or anything like that or right. um, nightmare students. I had, I had great, there was a lot of great externals. It was really just kind of the work. And... I would say when I hit my lowest, right about the point where there was the turning point, is all these experiences sort of piled up. Um, that shame spiral, the three-way guilt dance, where I was, you know, bad teacher, bad dad, bad husband. Um, I think I realized, and I didn't know this at the time. It wasn't until like, I think it was about a year ago, even, mm -hmm. where I was thinking back on that time and thinking, why, what was going on there? Like, why was I so caught in this spiral, this dance? And it was because I had this ideal, um, the ideal teacher in my mind. Yeah. And for me, actually, that was a very concrete thing. Going back to CBU days. Yeah. You know this professor, uh, Dr. Fouts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great professor. Excellent. Uh, had nothing but time really to give to the practice of teaching. Yes. Um, he was a bachelor. And so he could he could devote himself to you know, reading and uh, taking care of his students. And I he was he was. Uh, I guess my idol as, as far as a teacher goes. And so I was kind of trying to be Dr. Fouts in my mind. I didn't realize this though. And so I, I was being really hard on myself when I couldn't give what he could give. And when I was getting my low point, I was actually fantasizing about um, being like a single, like him, like being a bachelor. Uh, okay. And feeling just awful about that you talk about dad and husband guilt really kicking in. Oh and yeah. It was like, I felt like I really was split into two. It's like, I can do dad and husband or I can do teacher, but I can't do both. I can't do the at home and I can't do the at school. And that's when I, my wife could really kind of see that that was what I was wrestling with me or she saw the wrestling and I wasn't really good at articulating it at the time. Um, but that's when I started telling close friends that I was looking for a new line of work and to start praying for me and, and looking out for me because I, I needed to change. Something needed to change. And I thought it was uh, was my career. Oh, okay. So you had really been through the ringer at that point. Yeah. A lot of stress, a lot of high expectations for yourself. So what, um, what or who uh, stepped in and really helped? Like how did things turn around at that point? Yeah, so I'm going around talking to friends, right. starting to say, like, hey, look, I, I need to find something new. Start because I kind of just wanted to ask, like, if people knew something, right? If they knew, give me, give me like a career tip 
or something like that. Um, and I was talking with our friend, Matt, you know, Matt. Oh, I know. Um, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt's great. Cause he's, uh, he's a teacher just like us. Yes, he is. And been teaching just as long as we have, uh, history. He, he's not like you though. He didn't teach everything. He just taught the one subject. Um, and not like, like me, I guess. Um, but I was telling him about my problems and, um, actually we were meeting about something else entirely. And like at the end of our conversation, I say like, Hey man, uh, you know, I'm going to start looking for a new job. I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this grading thing. And like, you know, Matt, he doesn't really, he, like, he's very gracious, but he also knows when to like not pull the punches. And he's kind of like, wait, wait, why? And, um, so he kind of talks me through, he asked me like these really direct questions and it was, they were all things I needed to hear. Um, and he really just, got me to kind of change my mind and it really changed everything. Um, so like one of the things that really insights that kind of came out of it was I was keeping like the assessment to myself. So like when it came to student writing and things like that, I was the expert. I was the guy that knew everything. Okay. And, um, and saying things to myself, which aren't true. Like, and a lot of English teachers say this to themselves and to each other is that, Oh, grading of writing is subjective. Writing is so subjective. I have to spend all this time grading. And that's not even true. Um, Yes, there's a degree of it where it's it's personal, it's personalized to each student. But that does not mean that it's it's uh, the only thing. I'm the only one in the room. Um, So what I needed to do was he's shown me ways to kind of get them to assess their own work. And really, like if he's saying, like, if you're being a good teacher, you should teach them how to do this and they should know how to do it and be able to know how to grade it. And I was like, huh, I'd never thought of it that way. And he, and he actually gave me the how. He said, look, here's how I do it. Here's how it's happening in my class right now. And really gave me a ton of hope. Um, very quickly, like turnaround about two months or so, I was feeling like there's a new hop in my step. I was back on track to like, oh, this is what the job is about. This is what the work is about. And I was starting to really feel traction. And I was starting to really come out of the spiral on that dance that I was in and um, coming alive again as a teacher. And so I'm Matt, if you're listening, really grateful for you doing that, for taking the time to do that. And also, I mean, knowing Matt, there's plenty of uh, other men um, that have had conversations. We could probably talk to a lot of guys like, so, hey, when did and ask this question? When did things really turn around for you? Oh, I talked to this guy, Matt. (laughs) he's had a lot of these conversations with people over the years. So he's really good at it. I really appreciate it. So it sounds like what you're saying is, is you, you figured out that students need to be a lot more involved in the grading process and they can be. And that if you change what your expectations are for what they're doing, that, that, that can really have an impact on them participating and can um, help alleviate some of the burden from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And really that, cause once they leave, if, if I grade, if I'm the only one who can grade in the classroom right, and the students leave and I'm still the only one that can, what are they taking with them? Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. makes a lot of sense. So then they just learn that Mr. Frieden can grade really well when I write in his class and then they go. Which so. is not really what we're after. No. Not at all. Not at all. So when you think back on this, the whole experience from really getting to a point where you were ready to quit teaching to getting to a point where you're really inspired and just want to move forward, uh, uh, what extent would you say that your problem is commonplace or normal? 
Well, I think you exemplified that earlier in the interview when you said, hey, you're describing my first seven years of teaching. Is yeah. there's, there's an element of this that's really normal. Um, a lot of teachers, uh, we talk about it. I think it normal, what I used to experience it as is a lot of, I don't want to use the word complain, but it would be something that we would commiserate about as teachers. It'd yeah. Like, oh, I got a great grading's coming up. And that's completely understandable. Um, so that part was really normal. Um, but what was kind of unique was just how I sort of overworked myself living up to an ideal. I don't know, maybe not, but I haven't talked with a lot of teachers that carry around Dr. Fouts in there, you know, as a seat of the ideal teacher. Um, but I do know a few people that have talked about that. So maybe it's not as unique as I think, uh, but it's really, this is a very normal thing to be overwhelmed and to, to get distracted and to do, to go into that spiral like I was talking about. And I've also just, I've noticed too, a lot more lately, um, that teachers are really suspicious of traditional grading and starting to see more, uh, just published too in, in media out there. Um, people are looking into like the stress that it, not only it's, I mean, obviously it was giving me and you at one point, we were stressing out about it. It's stressing our students out too. And so it's something that people are kind of really kind of taking a second, a third look at nowadays. So, um, I think I was just really experiencing that earlier on in my career. And if others are too, uh, it's, that's completely normal. That makes sense. And I, and I always, at every school I've worked for, there's been that couple teachers or that one teacher like stays till six o'clock at night. Like I was that teacher. What decorates her classroom like crazy grades, like every work the students do. Yeah. And they're really held up as like, this is the exemplar teacher. The one who works like, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. This is, so I remember yeah. having that ideal in my mind as well. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And it's, if you want to, I don't necessarily want to be somebody who stays at work till six o'clock, but if that's like, oh, that's it. And people will, people actually praise that too. Oh yeah. People will praise like, look at, look at him, look at her. Wow. She really cares. He really cares. It's like, well, I really care. That means I should probably stay too. Yeah. And that can, that, you know, can create this kind of unhealthy competition. It's like they need an award for last car in the parking lot. You know, that's, (laughs) that's what it is. So um, so what advice do you have for any teachers facing a similar situation? Yeah, if I could break it all down, I would say when it comes to assessment, don't do it all or don't, don't be the expert. Don't be the one in the room that holds all the cards. Oh, okay. Um, pass it on to your students because once they leave your room and they're no longer your student anymore, they should leave with those lessons so that, you know, they actually it kind of, it sunk in and they learned a little bit. Can, can you clarify something before we said sure. don't be the expert? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Good clarification. This is why you're hosting. <laughs> um, the So don't be the expert. Of course, um, you know, I'm the one with the degree. Right, right, right. Um, but I don't have to be the one that just sort of keeps it a mystery by just giving assignments and then like taking it away in secret and measuring it in secret and then bringing it back with a grade. Oh, order. you're talking about the, the rubric process or the grade. Don't keep how they get a grade secret. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that the, makes sense. the whole process of the evaluation should be all cards around the table. Like, here's what we're doing. Here's what yeah. we're up to. Simplified too enough to where everyone can kind of understand what's going on. Are you saying it's a good idea that the students actually know what's expected? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, don't do it all. Like involve yeah. yourself. And, and also another aspect of that is like, you can get the students to assess their own work. Yeah, you can. And it's 
there's there's enough evidence out there that they're they're actually pretty good at it too. They're decent. You may need to help. You may need to help them along the way. But then it becomes more. You're, it's more of like a, you're teaming together. And to, and I just want to be clear here. Sure. This is not a theory. You've done this. Yes, I've done this and done it successfully. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back to the advice too is yeah. like talk to I would say talk to fellow teachers about the struggles um, that you have. Struggles and not the students. I think some people. I, I think a lot of teachers want to talk about the the. They want to process what's going on in their classroom. Right. Um, and then it, it can turn into kind of a toxic conversation depending on who your audience is or how we interpret what people are saying. Yeah. And so I've struggled with like dealing with students and things like that or I've struggled with dealing with the, the, the load of the work. Um, but when I've talked to people who have listened, who have been like very empathetic and listened to like what it's doing to me and how I'm feeling about it, that those have been the people that have helped me the most, not the ones that have kind of complained alongside me. Oh yeah, and where we're trying yeah. to like one up each other. Another weird competition that we teachers get into, like who's experiencing who's more got pain. the worst experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, and you, you kind of want to win, but then you don't want to win. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Weird. It's like I say, it's like a it's a bad competition to be in. So uh, yeah, choose like an empathetic listener and also try to avoid some of those like sympathetic advice givers. Like oh, you know what you need to do? You just need to do this. It's have somebody that can really hear you out. When I've done that, that's when I, I've made some real traction because they, they ask questions and they, they come from a different angle that I haven't seen before. And so I would advise people to do that. Okay, so I'm pretty excited uh, sitting here listening to this and thinking about a classroom where the students actually know what's going on, where they're inspired, where they really want to move forward, where I'm not grading as many essays. And that's a good thing. It's mm-hmm. better for students that don't grade right. as many essays. So I'm really stoked about that, but it looks like we're coming to an end here. So how the heck do I figure out how to do this? Where do I go? Do you have resources online where people can find you? That was a beautiful transition there. Yes, you can find me. Um, I, and I blog about this at makethemmasterit.com. Let so me say, say that, that again. Slower. Yes, yeah. it's Makethemmasterit.com. Can you say that one more time? Make them masterit.com. Okay. And really you can find me and engage with me on Twitter, um, at make the masterit. Uh, Twitter won't let me put the E in master. So let's make the masterit. And, uh, also if you, if you have a story to tell too, um, about why you may have wanted to leave the profession at some point, or if you're, you're questioning that right now, send me an email, make them masterit at gmail.com. I, I want to hear and see if I can be, be a help in that regard. You really want to hear from him. And I know Jeff, if he says he wants to hear, he really does. This is really authentic. And he really wants to help. So why don't you tell some, finish up, Jeff. I'm going to hand it back over to you. Here's the, uh, the, the what do you call it? Here's the host hat that's making a transition. And he's, if you can't see, well, while actually, you're driving around, he's actually handing me an invisible, an invisible hat. hat. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, Justin, thank you so much for being a part um, of what could be the oddest launching of a podcast that I have ever heard of, at least. Guest hosting before the host has even hosted. You now have more experience hosting than I do. And uh, to everyone listening, (laughs) thanks for giving Dear Teacher Don't Give Up a try. I hope it's been a help to you. All right. Signing out. That's it. Again, thanks for listening to the first episode of Dear Teacher Don't Give Up. If you are currently working in education, and have ever thought about leaving the classroom, or right now, 
you're a classroom teacher looking for the nearest exit. I want to hear your story. Please email me at makethemmasterit at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase, makethemmasterit at gmail.com. And if any of the ideas in this episode resonated with you and made you think of a teacher you know, join me in getting us all connected so that we can all help one another move from surviving to thriving. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, or the social media platform you prefer. Don't forget to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor.fm, or wherever you may be listening. But don't wait until the next episode to connect. Let's keep this conversation going over at MakeThemMasterIt.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>